Hey guys, um, if you're new, welcome. If you've seen, seen this before, welcome back. Uh, my name is Brennan. This is the North Boulevard Fuel class. We are the College Young Adult Ministry here at North Boulevard Church of Christ. Um, if you are just tuning in for the first time, welcome. So excited to have you here. Um, we are in the middle of our series, Only Human. So we've been talking about different places in the Bible where man interacts directly with God and kind of what that looks like. Um, this whole thing kind of stemmed from the question of, you know, in light of the recent year, kind of where has God been? What, what has he done when things like this have happened in the past? And kind of what can we expect going forward? So we started off, um, we looked at the story of Adam and Eve. Um, we looked at the story of the creation of man. We looked at the story of um, the first temptation in the fall. Um, we moved into the story of Moses. We talked about how God calls us to action and God will give us what we need to make that action occur. And then last week we looked at the book of Jonah. And we looked at somebody who, when God called him to action, when God sent him, um, he didn't want to go. And he refused to go. And we kind of saw the way all of that panned out. And we saw how God does not ever leave us. We can try really hard to turn away from him, but he is always alongside of us. And eventually his will is going to be done one way or another. So coming out of that, we are going to jump into the book of Job. Now, really quick, before I go any further, shameless plug. Um, you can find us a lot of places. We are on the North Boulevard website, northboulevard.com slash ministry slash classes slash fuel. You can find everything on there. We are also on Facebook at fuel slash North Boulevard, YouTube, North Boulevard Fuel Class. And if you have any questions for me, comments, concerns, outrage, complaints, I accept all of the above. Brennan Alexander at mtcscougars.org. So with that said, we're going to kind of jump into... Um, Jump into the Word. I will say I'm very glad uh, last week, if you couldn't tell, it was a little bit different. I actually filmed that one by myself. Um, I was speaking into an entirely empty room, which is one of the most uncomfortable things I've done in my life. Um, Tyler's here this week, um, the magician behind the camera, so it's going to make me feel a little bit more comfortable today, a little bit less twitchy. So today we are going to actually jump into something we have not done before. We are going to do a couple of parts to a story. So we're going to be looking at Job over the next couple of weeks. Um, I'm not going to lie, I learned a lot about Job kind of prepping this lesson because I had it in my head that I was going to jump into the book of Job and that we were going to be able to knock it out in a week and move on to something else. And then I discovered the book of Job is 42 chapters long. And before, and we're probably going to get through the first two today. Now, everybody calm down. Um, it's not going to take us six months to do this. But there are three very distinct parts of the book of Job. And I felt like it was important to give each of them the right type of attention, the right type of... Um, detail. So if you are not familiar with the story of Job, Job is kind of the story that people point to when they talk about suffering in the world. Um, it is a righteous man that loses everything at the hands of Satan and his response to that. So I find it pretty prevalent to kind of our situation right now. So without further ado, let's jump in. Let's get to meet Job and know a little bit about him. So we pick up in Job chapter one, verses one through five. It says, there was a man in the country of Uz named Job. He was a man of complete integrity who feared God and turned away from evil. He had seven sons and three daughters. His estate included 7,000 sheep and goats, 3,000 camels, 500 yoke of oxen, 500 female donkeys, and a very large number of servants. Job was the greatest man among the people of the East. His sons used to take turns having banquets at their homes. They would send an invitation to their three sisters to eat and drink with them. Whenever a round of banqueting was over, Job would send for his children and purify them, rising early in the morning to offer burnt offerings for all of them. 
For Job thought, perhaps my children have sinned, having cursed God in their hearts. This was Job's regular practice. So we get this introduction to Job. Um, it's very important that in the very first verse they emphasize he was a man of integrity who feared God and turned away from evil. And Job had been blessed by this. You see, he had seven sons. That was a huge sign of um, prosperity in that time, to have heirs to carry on your name one day. He had all of the livestock he could, he could want. And furthermore than that, he was so wealthy and so prosperous that his children literally took turns throwing parties for everybody to come to, throwing b delicious banquets and feasts so that everybody could come and celebrate. At the end of which, just to make sure, Job would offer sacrifices on the off chance that maybe by accident they had dishonored God somehow last night. This was a guy that took his devotion to God and his faith to God very, very, very seriously. And that's kind of the big thing they're trying to set up in this chapter. Um, he has a beautiful family, wealth beyond imagination, but above all, he is righteous. He is focused on the Lord. He is focused on honoring Him in all ways. But things change a little bit. So in chapter 1, verse 6, God calls the angels before him. And it says, One day the angels of God came to present themselves before the Lord, but Satan also came with them. The Lord asked Satan, Where have you come from? From roaming through the earth, Satan answered him, and walking around on it. And the Lord said, Have you considered my servant Job? No one else on earth is like him, a man of perfect integrity who fears God and turns away from evil. So Job is a big enough deal that God holds him up as an example of what humans should be like in heaven. That's a pretty... Substantial bar, substantial level that God is telling the angels, is telling Satan, if you want to see how it's done, look right there. But Satan answered the Lord, but does he fear God for nothing? Haven't you placed a hedge around him, his household, and everything he owns? You have blessed the work of his hands, and his possessions have increased in the land. But stretch out your hand and strike everything he owns. He will surely curse you to your face. So the Satan challenges God. He says, sure he loves you. Um, you've given him everything. I'd like you too. But I'm pretty confident that if you take those things away, that love's going to disappear. And so the Lord tells Satan, everything he owns is in your power. However, do not lay a hand on Job himself. And so Satan left the Lord's presence. So Satan proceeds to take everything from Job. And this almost darkly comical series of events. People come running into Job's um, home, one after another after another. Sir, they've taken all of your camels and slaughtered all of the servants, and I was the only, I'm the only one that survived to come back and tell you. Sir, all of the sheep were taken, all the servants that watched them were killed, and I'm the only one that survived to tell you. And then kind of the ultimate blow, um, a servant comes running in and goes, Sir, your children were all having a feast at one of your son's house. The roof caved in and killed everybody there. I'm the only one that came back to tell you. So Job, in an instance, watches everything he holds dear disappear. His wealth, his children, his name, gone. And Satan is watching closely, going, here it comes, here it comes, here it comes. But Job stood up, tore his robe, and shaved his head. He fell to the ground and worshipped, saying, Naked I came from my mother's womb, and naked I will leave this life. The Lord gives and the Lord takes away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Throughout all of this, Job did not sin or blame God for anything. 
So there's two very, very important things to pull out of this. The first off, Satan is very much so alive, and more important than that is Satan is active. Um, Something you hear a lot is, you know, Satan has no power here. Satan has no control over earth. Satan has no, um, you know, ability to take things from us or do things to us. And of course he does. He absolutely has power on this earth, and it's active and it's intentional. And I think that's a very, very important thing. A lot of times we get very caught up in blaming God for things that happen, when in fact there is, an, there is another entity, the evil, the enemy, the, whatever you want to call it, Satan, that is actively trying to turn us from God and to put evil on this earth. And I feel like once we accept that and acknowledge that, it kind of changes our perspective a little bit because, you know, I, um, my head football coach has always said um, there are no accidents, there are no coincidences. And I feel like so often we try to emphasize, you know, oh, just these things happen, you know, there's nothing you can do. It's just, you know, it's out of our control sometimes and, you know, you just, you never know what's going to happen. Evil is very much so alive and well on this earth. It has been since the beginning. It will be until the end. But we serve a God who can, who will ultimately defeat that evil. And I think that's one of the things we get crossed up. I've talked about this before. When we say, you know, we're not supposed to worry about this earth. We're not supposed to worry about the things that happen here. You're right, because our reward is not here. It's in heaven. And that leads into the next thing. Our possessions on earth do not reflect God's love for us. Um, there's a kind of a line of thinking going around right now, and really it's, it's been around forever, but it's kind of gaining, gaining fame, and it's the prosperity gospel. If you're a good Christian, if you show up at church, if you sing the songs, if you donate your money, God's going to bless you physically. You're going to have a great car. You're going to have a, you know, a mansion. You're going to have... Um, more money than you know what to do with. You're going to have a jet ski. You ever seen somebody sat on a jet ski? No. You're going to have all of these wonderful things, but all of that is dependent on your faith in God. And what a just narrow-minded way to look at Christianity, right? Our physical possessions do not reflect God's love for us. His love for us is something much greater. He's not worried about the, the things we're going to have here. He's worried about having us with Him in paradise for all of eternity. And it's a frame shift we've got to make. When God says that we'll be blessed, we'll be you know, tenfold, twentyfold, He means that very intentionally, but it's not a physical thing. Yes, Job had all of these amazing and wonderful things, but those possessions do not reflect how much He loves us or, furthermore, how good of a Christian you are. When I worked with Shiloh, we would go up, usually if a few weeks before staff got there and a few weeks before, um, probably about a month before campers got there, me and um, my good friend Tyler and a couple of others would come and we would travel to different schools in the South Bronx and in Bridgeport um, telling them about camp, hyping it up, um, passing out flyers, how to sign up, that type of thing. And there was one summer, we always kind of stayed in different places. We stayed in friends' houses, we stayed in churches. Um, but there was one summer that we stayed in the place called the Emmaus House. It is on the Lenox Avenue block of Harlem. Um, and the Emmaus House has been a lot of things over the history of time. But um, now at, at the time we were there, they were serving food to the community. Um, they were sheltering people that needed it. But, and at that time, we were people that needed it. So we stayed there for a few days. And we got to know a woman named Shaheen. Um, Shaheem was the organizer of the, of the program. She kept the house, and Shaheem was Iranian. 
she decided that she was going to um, enter a contest when she was young. It was a journalism contest. And she entered it with a piece of, that was very, very negative towards the Iranian government. But one of the points of winning this contest was you got to travel to wherever you wanted to go. And so she won the contest and she traveled out of the country and she went to India. And she had the realization that I don't want to be in Iran. She came back home and she left in the middle of the night. Um, when she arrived in India, over time, she converted and became a Christian. The day she announced her Christianity and announced her faith, a death warrant was released for her in Iran. If she were ever to return home, she would be killed on the spot. Um, she was in India on a student visa. And it's one of the funnier stories I've heard in my life. Um, she, to, in order to stay in India, she had to stay a student. And so to stay a student, she stayed in school, where she procured five master's degrees. My favorite of which is a degree in English literature at a time that she barely spoke English. Um, and the entire time this woman is evangelizing, she's discipling, she's teaching people of other faiths. And finally she travels to America where through some visa issues, um, those things stopped mattering. Um, some paperwork got crossed up, some things got messed up, and she was not allowed to work. So you have this brilliantly educated woman who has dedicated her life to spreading God's word. You have... Um, She's done nothing but disciple and care for others. And those things didn't matter. She still lived a, a tough life. She lived a, low in, um, she lived a low income life. But you know that one day when she arrives in heaven, that reward is going to be 80 to 100 fold. God doesn't bless us physically as a reward for what we do. That blessing comes later. So we keep moving forward. We pick up in Job chapter 2. And so God says to Satan again, after Job doesn't curse him, have you considered my servant Job? No one else on earth is like him, a man of perfect integrity who fears God and turns away from evil. He still retains his integrity, even though you incited me against him to destroy him for no good reason. Well, skin for skin, Satan answered the Lord. A man will give up everything he owns in exchange for his life. But stretch out your hand and strike his flesh and bones, and he will surely curse you to your face. Very well, the Lord said to Satan. He is in your power only spare his life. So Satan left the Lord's presence and he proceeded to infect Job with terrible boils from the soles of his feet to the top of his head. And then Job took a piece of broken pottery to scrape himself while he sat amongst the ashes. His wife said to him, are you still holding on to your integrity? Curse God and die. So Satan says, yeah, 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 we took his stuff, but you haven't hurt him yet. You haven't made him sick. You haven't injured him yet. Let's try that. And God says, okay, if that's what you think it's going to take. And so he just afflicts Job with terrible illness, boils, sores, all this awful stuff. And as he sits there in the ashes, his wife looks at him and says, curse God and die. So the person who is the closest to him, the nearest to him, has told him, forsake God, be done with it, and let's just call it. But Job says, you speak as a foolish woman speaks, he told her. Should we accept only good from God and not adversity? Throughout all of this, he did not sin in what he said. Wow. Should we accept only good and not adversity? Um, we talked last week about how um, at the very end of the book of Jonah, God sends the leaf to cover Jonah and then takes it away. And it's kind of this the Lord gives, the Lord takes away situation. And that's so big. God does bless us with a lot of things in our lives, some incredible things. But I love that Job says, we love him when it's good, but it's not fair to 
stop loving him when he's bad, um, when things are tough, when things are bad. Because ultimately, Job, Job, but ultimately, Job knew that God had a plan, God had a focus, God had a purpose. And he was going to choose to focus on that rather than focus on the negative. Our physical state does not reflect our righteousness. Um, that's a really tough thing for me sometimes, but I think it's so apt. Every one of us has watched an incredible human being suffer and die. Whether it be to cancer, whether it be a car crash, whether it be whatever. And every time we look and we're like, why would God allow this to happen to this person? They were so righteous. They were so just. They were so good. How could that person endure this? But just like our physical possessions do not reflect our righteousness, so even more does our physical state not reflect our righteousness. God has a plan and intent for each and every one of us. And sometimes it's ugly. Sometimes it sucks. But it is with purpose and with an intent that things happen. And in those times, it is essential to rely on God. If Job had focused on relying on the people around him, he would have cursed God. If he, he looks to his wife and she says, curse God and die and let's be done with this. So while there are people that support you in times of difficulty, the only person that's truly going to carry you through these situations is God. We have to focus on Him. We have to put our, our faith and our intent into Him. And so that is where we're going to call it this week. Um, next week, we are going to kind of dive into this part where Job's three best friends arrive. And they kind of, there's this back and forth where Job defends his faith, defends his relationship with God, and they challenge it. And it's really fascinating and interesting. But we're going to jump into that next week. So um, our takeaways. Physical possession and physical um, well-being are not reflections of righteousness. God gives, God takes away. That does not change your relationship with Him. Being a good Christian does not get you a nicer car. Being a good Christian does not make you live longer. Being a good Christian earns you a reward in heaven. Um, reliance on God is essential in times of distress and times of need. Like Job says, we love Him when it's good, we got to love Him when it's bad. And reliance on people will fail. That reliance must first focus on God. So with that said, again, thank you guys so much for tuning in. I'm going to say a quick prayer and we're going to get out of here. Um, God, thank you so much for your blessings. Um, thank you so much for your word. Um, God, we just thank you so much for um, this opportunity to kind of pour, dig into your word and pour into you. Um, we ask that you keep us all healthy. We ask you keep us all safe. And it is in your son's name we pray. Amen. Thanks, guys.